0: Welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with
1: Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at age 35 in 2014.
0: And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband Sandy had Parkinson's disease for 18 years. I was his care partner.
1: Today's episode will be talking about our short trip of a month to Spain.
0: <laughs> it felt like a month. We didn't it, Travis. It felt like we did. We felt like a month in the first two days.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and that's what we want to tell our listeners about, is give an in-depth description of, so how was your trip? So we thought we would share with our listeners uh, an in-depth review of how our trip was, uh, some of the challenges, and some of the successes. That sounds like a great idea, Travis. We
0: accomplished a lot. Just want to let you know, <laughs> folks, this was this was not for the faint of heart. Barcelona was an amazing city. It was lots of fun. Lots of cobblestones and we walked and walked and walked.
1: We did. But, you know, I was actually afraid that it would be harder. I was expecting You know, temperatures not unlike what we have today in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. I thought it was going to be closer to 100. And I mean, the humidity, I do have to say, the humidity was a killer. It's very, very humid there. And I did not enjoy that. And it made it feel a little bit warmer. But it's still, I don't know why. I mean, it wasn't like sickening hot to me, which I know it could be. But it wasn't.
1: No, I think we lucked out on the weather there. Uh, I don't remember a single day being above 80, 82.
0: Yeah, yeah. It wasn't in the 90s, that's for sure. So it was, it was kind of nice. And then it would cool off a little bit, you know, not a lot in the evening, but it would cool off enough that we could take these long strolls back to the hotel, which was great, you know. Yeah. And we were also close to the beach. I mean, it it is a port town, so I feel like it's not as hot as if you were in a midland area.
1: Right. There's parts of Spain that we talked to our friends who had just completed a tour where they said it had been 110 a 113 in one of the stops they made.
0: Yeah, I, I'm. I was totally grateful that we did not have that kind of weather. I wouldn't have done well with that at all. I think that it was really, really good that we um, were able to manage it pretty well. And you know, let let's talk a little bit about the plane. I mean, I know we planned. My big concern was because I have been recovering from this big surgery I had back in um, in January. And so sitting for long periods of time for me is not great and I wasn't sure how I was going to do on the airplane but I I sort of set an alarm on my my iwatch so that it kind of reminded me and it normally does that anyway time to stand but I it usually it's like an hourly kind of thing during the day and what I did for the trip was I set an alarm so that every two to two and a half hours, I would get up and walk around on the plane. And also because I have this tremendous fear of dehydrating and getting leg cramps when I'm sitting on the plane, I drink a lot of water. And so I have to get up and pee anyway. So it really, it all worked out, you know, it was a win-win.
1: Yay for aisle seats, right? Yeah,
0: yay, for aisle seats. I highly recommend that. I just want to say to people, if you have PD, it is much better for you to be on an aisle, especially if you fall asleep and you have vivid dreams and you flail a little bit. Um, it's better to flail into the aisle, you know into the aisle than to whack the person next to you in the seat in the middle. So I always felt that it was better for Sandy to be on the outside whenever we traveled. And for myself, I knew I was going to need to be moving around. I'm a very squirmy traveler. You know, I I noticed people sitting in their chairs the whole time for the flight.
1: Oh, yes. That's what I saw too. Like people who got in sat down, and did not leave their fucking seat.
0: Not for, for a second. 12 hours. Yeah, how did they do that? I don't not know. Not
1: only must they have bladders of camels, but they just have no stiffness in their bone. Yeah,
0: I I always thought, find it interesting. But I, I am going to say on the flight back, I think I know the answer to this. Is that this couple that was sitting next to me, they had this little packet of tabs that looked like it could have been Dramamine or I don't know what it was. But they took those just before the takeoff and they did not move for almost the whole 12 hours. They were sleeping the whole time. Um, So, you know, they just were leaning on each other and sleeping. It, It was interesting to me they never got up during the flight and I of course was up not only was I walking the aisles which I had to do but then I have to do like these I did some squats and some stretching and just kind of moved around a lot and I want to give a shout out to compression socks not the funky simple ones that you buy on Amazon that are cheap for five dollars a pair but I had to buy super fancy medical compression socks which were super expensive but god bless them because I had no leg cramps I didn't have any problem they went up to my knee and um and they were pretty good you know it they looked a little weird it looked like I had peg legs or something it was very odd but um when I looked down but you know they really made a big difference for me I think and I'm grateful to my PT a shout out to Jen who said, this is what you have to buy. These are the ones to get. This is the right denier that you want to get. And um, and I was very comfortable with it. You know, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors.
1: I did not uh, have any compression sock, uh-huh. uh, but I, I don't think I suffered particularly in that direction. I will give big shout-outs tiberia airlines for having the most tolerant flight crew yes they put up with yeah they put up with a a whole lot of standing in the aisle way yeah and a whole lot of me pacing up and down the plane and uh generally just not uh sitting in my seat unless the seatbelt sign mandated it.
0: Yes. They were very nice. You know, I forgot to buy a bottle of water um partly because I I think we were thinking we were gonna be late getting to the gate. So I didn't get a bottle of water and I thought, oh shit, what am I gonna do? How you know, because they give you little cups of water on most flights, but they had big cups. They have like a good 16 ounce cup and so I when they came around to offer stuff I got a glass of water I got two glasses of water then and then I kept one of the glasses and then I when I'd walk up to the front one of my two and a half hour stints of walking to the front stretching my legs going up on my toes up on my heels I um I would ask them for water and I would drink two glasses of water before I'd go back to my seat And then as I was on my way back to my seat, of course, I would have to pee at that point. So it gave me an extra walk to the bathroom and an extra walk back. And all in all, they were really nice. I mean, I thought the flight attendants were great. I gave them a good review um, in terms of the flight people. I thought were fantastic.
1: Yes, our, our cabin crew was particularly tolerant not only of my escapades, but there was a couple of other uh, PD folks on the way back from the conference. And so they had a plane full of parky motherfuckers <laughs> that were a little difficult to deal with.
0: Yeah, I think it's challenging. You know, what do you do when you have people that can't sit still? And I mean, long before I have always been that person, like I go to a movie and I am a wiggly person in a movie theater. And I have friends that don't want to sit next to me because of that. I just move around way too much. And that's okay. Like I get it. That's who I am as a person. I'm a wiggly person. And I just can't sit still like that. It's just not something that I was ever good at doing. I'm sure as a little kid, I, I never did it. And as an adult, I also have never done it. So I think that they were very nice about it. And um, and um I just don't know how you lie there for 12 hours. It, it was just weird to me, but I felt good. You know, I got off the plane and I had had enough hydration and also... I guess what the compression socks do is they do help with you getting less dehydrated on a plane, which I, I didn't quite understand how that works. Um, I'd like to get more information about it, but it was explained to me that, that that was one of the things that they also help. You don't have the ankle and foot swelling that takes place when no. you're on a plane. No. So that's pretty good. And I, I think that, you know, traveling is difficult. I'm not the best flyer, I think. I'm not the most relaxed. I always have a little bit of anxiety about it. And I did this going and coming for both takeoffs. I did box breathing, like yoga box breathing, as we started the takeoff. And that really calms me down. You know, where you hold one nostril, you inhale through one nostril, you hold it, uh, hold it, and then you release through the other nostril. Re- hold, then you bring it in again. And it was it was really wonderful to do that kind of breathing. It kept me very calm and relaxed. And then on the flight, um, when I was going through the TV things they had, they had some meditations on there. And there were two that were pretty good. So I did use that as well. I think that meditation can be good for people that have anxiety about flying
1: Right. Yeah, I did not even see. Of course, I never power those entertainment discs on. Um, but I was not aware that they had meditation.
0: Yeah, they they had two things. You know, I I watched a movie that I had already seen, so I felt that was good because then if I fell asleep,
1: you wouldn't miss anything new. I wouldn't miss anything new. So
0: that was good. It was a very enjoy- an enjoyable movie. And then they had like these shorts. Um, One was like a home deck thing. And that I watched a few episodes of that. That killed an hour <laughs> along the way. I did some of the meditation. And um, they had something on the most interesting houses in the world, which was a very fascinating one. Homes that were built into mountains and in the desert, there was a so i that kind of kept me going. you know those were good in between my dozing off. I definitely slept more going there because that was a night flight right. and, and then coming back, we left in the afternoon, and I was tired, so I'm sure I dozed in and out a little bit, but overall i I was on the move, you know, I had to keep moving to keep myself from. Um, sitting too still. And I was never in a lot of pain with my hip, which I thought was fantastic. So right. that was a win-win for me.
1: So that gets us to the Barcelona airport. Yes, let's discuss the Barcelona airport. I will say the request a wheelchair. They are very, very sweet and very kind. Yes. They are very protective of you. Yes. They will not let you stand up unassisted or without two or three attendants at hand in case you should wobble. Yes. (laughs) All of that is true. But they
0: are slow with a capital S.
1: Yes, they're they're moving on a Spanish timeline, which is generally more relaxed and more mañana, mañana, mañana.
0: Yeah, they they weren't as efficient on that level. I think they were very nice and very kind, but it took them a long time to deplane us to deboard, and then it took um a long time of sitting in the airport just to have them take us over to i guess it was what was that customs
1: yeah customs immigration yeah. customs here yeah. you get your passport stamped and
0: and so that took a while i mean it was fine because we had no place to go i mean we didn't have an appointment there was no problem with it um i do want to give a little shout out to people if you are traveling internationally, to give yourself three hours at the airport. And even if you are a person that never likes to go quite that early, we had a horrific situation when we got to the counter in Los Angeles where they said the counter was closing like right when we got up there and they would not print out any. Forty passes and give us any assistance. So it was kind of a nightmare for about a half hour. And then we finally got what we needed and we went up to the gate and that was fine. Everything was good. But um, just know that sometimes things happen when you're in an airport, you know, and with all the flight changes that are taking place across the country and across the world, I think you have to be prepared for that and know that you need to have extra
1: time. Um, But that was pretty much the only adventure um, on the route there. We did end up going with a direct flight, which I'm glad that we did.
0: Yes, I think if you can ever do that, that is the best way to travel anywhere, even domestically. Try not to do stopovers. It makes it so much easier on you.
1: Then getting to Barcelona, we had a small adventure at the baggage claim, where yes. in spite of a direct flight, my suitcase was missing. Yes. Where my suitcase got to, I still don't know. It hasn't said anything. I may never know what. It did not accompany me to Barcelona that much, I do know.
0: Yes. And Travis, I want to commend you because you were super smart. You told me that you always pack your the meds, the same amount of meds that you would normally take. You put in a backpack and you have it in your suitcase, just in case. And I thought that was pretty smart. And then a friend of mine who travels all the time said that she always puts an extra pair of pants, an extra pair of socks, an extra pair of underwear in her backpack, in her carry-on, just in case something happens to her luggage. And although I did not need it, I did have that planned in my backpack. So I was prepared. But when you didn't have your luggage available, it was a little scary because we had our posters in there. Right. And that could have been a mad dash for us on Monday.
1: Right. And for listeners who um, maybe aren't uh, familiar, we were going to present these posters to the World Parkinson's Conference. So they were the uh, reason for us to be there.
0: Yes. And um, it was so it was a little nerve wracking for me. I do want to commend you, Travis. You are much calmer than I am in that situation. You just kept saying, well, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm sure it'll show up tomorrow where I am. Of course, the worry were going, we're going to have to really scramble to try to get these posters printed in Barcelona. But as all went well, they would the, the luggage was delivered the next night. And uh, that was pretty cool. I was glad to see that. So it made it relaxed me a little bit on that.
1: Right. Um. We got to our hotel, which, the Princess Barcelona, is, in transition presently at the time of this recording, July 2023. And to our listeners who may be visiting that property. I really hope you see it post-transition. Yes.
0: it. I, I mean, I don't know who they expect to be in these rooms, but they have the shiniest, slipperiest tile in the showers, on the floor. If there's any water that hits that floor, a person could kill themselves. So I think it's a little dangerous there, but um, it only took... Uh, a couple room changes and then I was happy. And so um, I think, you know, in looking at it, all in all, it was pretty good. It was a very lovely hotel with a great chef. And they have this lovely little dining room, this tiny little dining room, but they had wonderful food there. So I am giving a shout out to this chef that did the smoked cod because that was super delicious. And um you know, I think there were a lot of things about the hotel that were, leave a lot to be desired, but I think it was cool. You know, we, we survived and I thought that the conference was amazing. And we're going to do another episode where we really talk about the conference because we want to give that full attention. Right. But I, I do want to say that, um, I'm very proud of myself. I t- traveled internationally, I did it, I made it. <laughs> and, um, and I'm, you know, and I was very glad to see that that was going to happen. So, you yeah. know, it was it was fun. It was a good trip.
1: You win the Good Sport Award for that trip, Judy.
0: Yes. Thank you, Travis. I think so.
1: You, you uh, were very much out of your comfort zone, and you handled that very splendidly. Thanks, Travis. I
0: appreciate it.
1: So, all in all, it was good. So, for those who are uh, interested in seeing Barcelona, we recommend that you see it. There is a lot of vegan options, vegan restaurants. Um, Yeah. If you or someone you know does not uh, eat meat or dairy or prefers a plant-based diet, then Barcelona gets full marks from me, at least for our having everything that you could want clearly labeled and available.
0: Yeah, it was great from, and that's from croissants to sushi to vegan sushi. It was really, the food was really delicious. It was very lovely. And, uh, and I think it had a lot to offer. It was really nice.
1: Yes. And it also has a, uh, very happening club scene and whiskey bar scene, and it it really has a lot going for it.
0: Yes, and I want to say, as being a non-ice cream person, not that I don't like ice cream. I do like ice cream, but it's not my favorite dessert of choice. They have a really fantastic ice cream in the city, regular, and we found an amazing vegan ice cream place. That was incredible. So um, kudos to them for making ice cream. And I think they all used rice milk, which I found interesting because no one in the States is using rice milk. They use almond milk, cashew milk, coconut milk, um, soy. Very You don't see soy very much anymore. You see a lot of oat milk, But their ice cream there was incredible. That's the word that I want to use. And that's a word that Sandy Yaris would have used. He would have said the ice cream is incredible. So there we go.
1: And on that note, we'll call this episode a wrap.